Hey, everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. And in this podcast, we witness the spectrum of human experience so that we can connect, share, shift paradigms, inspire each other, and ultimately expand our universe through words. So thanks for joining me today and Happy New Year. Today we are going to explore the idea of finding harmony. I don't know about you, but I've always loved the idea of peace, the idea of harmony, and it's something that I've spent a lot of time in my life thinking about, searching for, longing for, wishing for, praying for, and searching for. And I don't think I'm alone in that. So hopefully you can find yourself in these things that we talk about today. Let's dive right in. So it is the new year. And I don't know about you, but I am definitely one of those people who usually loves to contemplate and think about my life. I've always been one to develop goals, write them down, New Year's resolutions. And, you know, New Year's and my birthday are, they typically are the most contemplative times for me. And I, th- I think it's because it just, you know, it signifies another season, another time around the sun. And I think it's part of our human nature to question, right? You know, what, what am I doing here? What did I accomplish this year? What do I want to do next year? How can I bring meaning to my life? How can I, why does my life matter? And so we're always looking for that way to make sense of who we are and why we're here. And what is it that we're looking for? I'm always looking for answers, something that will make me feel like I'm okay, like I'm enough, like I'm acceptable and likable and lovable and just to know that I'm right, that I'm okay. And I don't mean that I'm right in the sense of like, I'm right and you're wrong, but just that I'm all right. You know what I mean? A couple of years ago, I came home from work. It was just a normal, I don't know, random day of the week, like a Tuesday or something. I came home from work. And when I walked in the door, I saw a piano in my dining room. When I left that morning, that space behind the dining room table and underneath my husband's painting of La Jolla Cove was empty. There was nothing there. And I walk in the door and there's a piano. Apparently, my husband's best friend had found this old, upright, Kincaid piano at a thrift store for something like $50. And he brought it home to surprise me because he had heard me talk about the piano I had had as a child. And he had heard that, you know, me talk about how I longed to play again, that I missed it, that I would love a piano someday so that I could play around on it. And I got to tell you, this piano showing up in my dining room that day on some random weeknight was one of the best surprises I've ever received. I had absolutely no idea it was coming, and it really made me happy, made me smile. Just that someone would be that considerate and thoughtful to surprise me like that. But also, I just loved having this piano again that I could sit down and play, and that made me happy. I don't want to give you the impression that I'm actually a piano player. I took some lessons when I was a young girl, and I also played the clarinet and was in chorus. So I can read music, and I can usually fumble through anything, you know, the melody. But it makes me happy to play around on it and sing songs and, you know, fumble through the piano keys. Since I got this piano, 
I have been spending some time practicing and learning all those things I knew from long ago. And as you can imagine, piano lessons have changed a lot. When I was a kid, my sister and I, my sister Shelly and I used to walk, I don't know, we probably walked at least a mile by ourselves at the age of eight, nine, I don't know, maybe we were 10 and 11. We used to walk down this really busy road to this woman's house. I think her name was Mrs. Harris. We had our piano books with our lessons, and we would play hot cross buns, and we would play chopsticks, and we would play our scales, and we would learn all those typical piano lessons, I think, and how they've always taught uh, kids how to play the piano. And now what's really exciting is there are so many YouTube videos and YouTube stars who can teach you how to play the piano in five easy steps or in one 15-minute video. You can learn how to play the only three chords you need to play any song in the whole world. So it's really been fun, but I've been trying to learn chords again. A piano chord is typically three notes played together that sound right and pleasing to the ear. Now that is a really basic explanation. If you are a musician and you're listening to me, please just give me some grace. This is really basic. So I've downloaded the major chords, the minor chords, uh, the close chords, cheat sheet, and you know all these little tips and tricks that they have now to learn piano. For example, C major, which is probably the most popular piano chord that there is, is three keys. C, E and G, right? It's pretty easy. It's the white keys, C, E, and G. And when you play them at the same time, press your fingers down, the three notes played together that sound right and pleasing to the ear. You need all three of those to make the chord and to achieve what we call three-part harmony. This idea of three-part harmony are three notes played together that sound right and sound pleasing to the ear. There's the middle, which is the melody, and then the upper and the lower parts. And you need all three to make the chord and to achieve three-part harmony. And when I look up the definition of harmony in the dictionary, what I see is that harmony is defined as an orderly or pleasing combination of elements in a whole, a relationship in which which various components exist together without destroying one another, a relationship characterized by a lack of conflict or by agreement, and, you know, again, in music, it is the simultaneous combination of notes played in a chord, a combination of sounds that is pleasing to the ear. I love this idea so much, like I said, as, as someone who is always searching for peace and harmony within myself, that really spoke to me. I wrote this haiku last year. A haiku is a three-line poem that has a certain number of syllables in each line. So the first line is five syllables, the second line is seven, and the third line is five syllables. My haiku was three-part harmony. Feed your spirit, nourish your body, tend your soul. And that whole idea of myself being made up of three parts, just like a musical chord, really spoke to me. And I was able to wrap my head around it, which was really important. So let's dive into that a little bit and talk about spirit and what it means to feed your spirit. Now, if you are not a person of faith, that's okay. I don't think that you need to be quote-unquote Christian or a person of faith to have a spirit. We all are spirit beings. You know, we are spirit beings having this human experience. And to me, our spirit is who 
We are. It is the essence of us. It's how we connect to our life source. Now, for me, my life source is God, you know, big G, God. But it doesn't have to be that for you. It could be God in the traditional sense or even a different God in the non-traditional sense. But it may be nature. It may be serving others. And it's up to you to find what is that life source for you. And more importantly, are you checking in with that life source? Are you checking in with your spirit to see what you need to be doing? I know for me, I need to make space for God in my life in different ways. I don't really have strict rules around you have to pray 15 minutes three times a day and you have to read this many verses in the Bible. But I know that for me, I need to make space for God in my life. I need to pray. I need to listen to music. I need to attend church regularly. God needs to be in my life in a regular way, some in some way, shape, or form. When I lose this habit or ignore it, I feel like life has been sucked out of me. Like all the air has just been let out of my balloon. And, you know, sometimes I can just listen to a few Lauren Daigle songs or a few Casting Crowns or Hillsong, or I can listen to a Stephen Furtick message, and it gives me that spiritual connection that I need for that day. Our spirit is that part of us with an appetite that needs to be fed. And we have a choice of once we figure out what it is that we need, We can either feed it with the right things, the wrong things, or we can starve it all together. I don't know if you've ever heard, this is a very popular, very mainstream Cherokee legend. I've heard it several times in different settings. And the legend goes something like this, that there was an elderly Cherokee man who was telling his grandson about life. And he says, son, within us, there is a battle of two wolves. One is evil. He is anger. He is envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is good, he told his grandson. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside every other person, too, explained the wise Cherokee elder. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the grandfather answered, the one that you feed. I've always loved this story because it really speaks to me about the spirit inside of us and how we have to feed our spirit with the right things. Or we will become someone or something that we hadn't planned on. I mean, nobody sets out in this life to be angry or to be jealous or to be full of sorrow and regret or greed and arrogance. I don't think those are typically life goals. But if you feed your spirit with the wrong things, you hang around with the wrong people, you spend your time with people and doing things that are contradictory to your life source and what you believe, you're feeding that wolf. And that's what's going to grow on the inside of you. And if you spend time with your life source, if you figure out what are those things that you do that respond with joy and peace and love and hope, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, faith, then that is what will rise 
within you. So how do you find out what it is that your spirit is? What is your source of life? Who is that for you? Well, start by asking yourself, you know, what do you believe in outside of yourself? Like I said, it doesn't have to be religion. It doesn't have to be God-based. But what is it that you believe in outside of yourself? And if you can't come up with anything that is satisfying there, what about serving others? How does that make you feel? Do you feel that that's important? What do you feel has eternal significance for you? You know, I I read a quote one time that said, what we do for ourselves in this lifetime dies with us, but what we do for others is eternal. So for me, how we help those in our world who need it has eternal significance. If you don't already know what your life source is, what your spirit is connected to, just ask yourself some of these questions until you find something. There's no right answer, but there is an answer that is right for you. And it's up to you to find out what it is. So try a few things and see what rings true for you or see what what clicks. The second part of the cord is our soul. We need to tend our soul. Our soul is what we do. If our spirit is who we are, Our soul is what we do. It's that part of us that gives us hope and inspiration and purpose and peace and joy and happiness, a sense of accomplishment. It is what I bring to this world in the form of gifts, talents, artistry, abilities, and also what I bring to this world that others need. Who can benefit from what I bring to this world? And we all have something that somebody out there needs. It could be your family. It could be your friends, your coworkers, the world at large. For me, when I think about tending my soul, there's a few things that that my soul needs. I need to work. I like to work. I don't ever want to really retire. My father worked a full-time job until he was 75. I come from a long line of hard workers. My dad was raised on a farm. My mother's people were farmers. Her grandparents um, were all raised on farms. And I've been working since before I had working papers. You know, I started babysitting at the age of 11, I think. And at 14, I had working papers and worked in restaurants. And, you know, at 16, I was a full-fledged waitress earning tips and earning my own money. And it's important to me. It's become really important to my soul and what I bring to myself in this world. And I know that has to be balanced. I'm not advocating to be a workaholic, and that is something I'm always trying to find the balance in. But I do need to work. It's important to me and my sense of value and worth. I also love to write. And when I ignore that for any length of time, I feel lost. I feel like I'm wandering, unanchored. I need to write. So what is that for you? Is it cooking? Is it music? Is it your family? Is it hiking? Is it rock climbing, sewing? It can be anything. Sometimes for me, it's listening to a podcast or a TEDx episode and reading some self-help type books or, or listening to other people talk about what, what brings their soul to life, what brings their soul fire and passion. And that feeds my soul. So what is it that that brings your soul to life? What is it that you do that makes you happy, makes you feel alive? And finally, our bodies. We need to nourish our bodies. If our spirit is who we are and our soul is what we do, our body is how we move through this world. It is what we are traveling in. So it's how and what we are moving through this world and and what we're moving in. Now, the body is tricky. Because often it is the first way others see us, 
but it shouldn't be the first way we see ourselves. Honestly, how we physically look is the least important and least interesting thing about us. And our bodies can't be labeled or categorized. We need to define what is right for our bodies. We know best what we need and what makes us feel our best. And our goal with our body isn't to look like everyone else, but to take care of this vessel we're in so that we can accomplish what our spirit and soul need to do for as long as possible. We've got to keep the body running in order to do anything. Our culture tends to be the most obsessed with this one facet of ourselves, right? Our our culture isn't necessarily consumed with finding this three-part harmony, spirit, soul, and body. We tend to be very consumed with the body part of it. We have a culture of ableism, racism, ageism, and it's all based on what our body looks like and what our bodies can do, and how old we are, and what we look like. And it's all based on some idea that's fed to us, that this is the ideal, and if you don't look like this, then you're not okay. When really the focus should be on what you need to do to get your body running at its best. For me, I need to get seven hours of sleep a night regularly. I need to eat healthy food. I need to exercise. If I don't exercise for a couple of weeks, I feel it in my body and in my mind. How do you find what your body needs? Well, think about, you know, maybe think about what you love to do as a child. Try it again. Do you still love it? If you still love it, find a way to do it. Find a way to bring it back into your life. If you try hula hooping and find out you really don't love it anymore, then that's okay. Don't pressure yourself. We're not going to love everything that we loved as an eight-year-old. But in this exploration, you may discover something else. You know, riding your bike, dancing, cooking, uh, playing a sport. A few years ago, actually, I guess it's been 10 or 11 years ago now, I was really longing to challenge my body in a new way. And to be quite honest, even though I've been out of school for a very long time, I had always missed playing team sports. I missed challenging myself. And I was just really lacking in this area. And I really just couldn't find a workout. I just resorted to running because that's what I've always done. And that's what I knew how to do. And I was bored. I was hurting myself. I couldn't run the seven-minute miles anymore, and that was discouraging to me. And, you know, I just wasn't enjoying it, quite frankly. And so I took a leap of faith and signed up for triathlon, a sprint triathlon, and started training for it in 2009. I did the Iron Girl in Syracuse, New York in July 2009. And that experience of training for that triathlon just it, it brought me such joy and happiness. And not because I was really super successful at it. I was in the sense that I completed it and I did it and I didn't come in last. I certainly wasn't fast. I didn't place in my age group or get any medals. My times really weren't all that great. And it really didn't unleash a triathlon career in my life. But I loved it. It gave me what I was looking for. It gave me something to train for, to compete in, to challenge myself. And I can remember specifically that summer, that spring and summer as I was training, and I would be outdoors at night after work, riding my bike, running with a group. We would start to do some practice swims when the weather got warm enough. And what I really loved was just being outside in the summertime made me feel like a young girl again. I hadn't felt that way in 30 years, and it felt great. 
And I can tell you that uh, I did my last triathlon last year in 2019, you know, so I did triathlons for 10 years. And I did my last one in the fall of 2019. And I retired and I was ready to give it up. But I got to tell you, I need to find something else because I'm missing it. I'm missing that feeling. And so I'm on the search for that right now. And this area of the body, you know, to be quite honest, is an area that I struggle the most in. Because, you know, if you are anything like me, you probably spend a fair amount of time surfing and scrolling through social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Once or twice a day, I check the headlines online just to see if there's a new strand of the virus or any other major catastrophe I need to be aware of. And I love social media. I love social media for many reasons. I live pretty far away from my family right now, so I love to binge watch videos of my nieces while they're saying the alphabet or playing the piano or just acting silly or playing outside. I love seeing these men and women that I went to high school with. And, you know, I still see the young boys and girls in their eyes and in their smiles. And I'm always amazed at how much they look like the people I went to school with, even though it was 35 years ago. And I love just keeping in touch with people that I've worked with over the span of my career. So I love social media for all those things. But the dark side of technology and all this information that we have at our fingertips and within eyesight is that if you're not careful, you can be overloaded with messages of who you should be, what you should believe, and how you should look, what you should be doing. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to spirit, soul, and body, but it just seems to focus so much on the body because, like I said, our culture is obsessed with the body and this idea that you should be, whatever you are, you should be doing something different you should be looking different. I just checked my feed for five minutes just to see what was in there. There is a sleep app that reports every time you fart, snore, talk, turn, and have a nightmare. There is a yoga for weight loss app that has avatars performing seven-minute yoga positions that look like adult movie positions, if you know what I mean. There is a certain level of sexiness that makes me feel like I should be watching this video in the dark with the curtains closed. There is a self-therapy app for my personality type where I can get therapy with without ever leaving the house or talking to an actual human therapist. There's an app that promises to rewire my brain and how it thinks about food. There's a therapy device, um, a yoga method that will transform my face in just three minutes a day. I mean, who knew my face needed to be transformed? I wasn't thinking that way, but now I'm scrolling through my feed and I see a yoga method that will transform my face in just three minutes a day. And I think, oh, oh, does my face need to be transformed? Do I need to look at that? Intermittent fasting. Oh my gosh, I love intermittent fasting. I've done it. But now there's all this competition out there for a new and better way. The latest intermittent fasting that I saw today was that there's a different plan for each body type. Now, apparently women's body types have morphed into animals because there's a dolphin body type, a wolf, a lion, and a bear. Last week, I swear I saw in one of these intermittent fasting apps by body type, and they had a Christmas tree as a body type. You know, as women, we should be horrified and angry that we're being typecast like this, but that's a separate podcast episode. I saw an ad for a plant-based protein powder that tastes just like brownies and makes me lose weight. And my favorite one, which I'm actually really going to try this, I, I was suckered in and downloaded the video. Even though I could never really master splits when I was 40 years younger and 40 pounds lighter, I'm going to be able to do a split if I can follow this video for eight minutes a day for a month straight. I'm going to be doing splits. So I'm going to be trying that one. I'll keep you posted. Surfing and scrolling this news feed 
out there in the digital land is exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. It will wear you down. Doing that will actually disrupt and disturb your harmony. Whatever harmony you had going, it will be gone. If you want to feel bad about yourself, just get on your phone or your laptop for five minutes and scroll through social media. And it just seems like lately I'm seeing more ads than I am of my friends' posts. And that's disturbing. It's disturbing. My point of all that is that it's exhausting and you can get really distracted with just the fact that your body doesn't measure up. It's hard to know in this day and age what we should be striving for, what we need to do, what we should be thinking about. And I think maybe just maybe rather than looking at our feeds, we need to look inside. I have everything I need within me already. You know, I I grew up before this digital age that we live in now, and so we didn't have to deal with all of these messages on a daily basis hitting us in the face all the time. But we did still have those messages. They were just less invasive and less frequent, but the messages were still there. You know, in the commercials that we saw, the commercials for Jordache jeans and diet pills and the Farrah Fawcett hairdo, the Tiger Beat magazines, the messages were the same, that if you want to be happy and beautiful and loved by others, you must do this, eat this, weigh this, look like this, sound like this, be like this person. And it it's just all a distraction that keeps us from looking within at our own sheet of music to see what we should be playing to find that three-part harmony for ourselves. What three keys do you need to be hitting consistently over and over again? so that you have order within you, so that you have peace within you, so that you have agreement. That's what we need to be spending our time on. And I believe us humans have these three keys that make us tick. We are spirit, soul, and body. As I'm talking to myself, recording this podcast, I'm preaching to my own choir because this is definitely an area that I struggle in and I don't have it all figured out. It's something I need to remind myself on a daily basis. And I'm still a work in process, for sure. So my hope for myself and my hope for you in this new year is that we learn to check our own newsfeed to see how we're doing and what we need for this three-part harmony that is possible within us. Take some time this week. Think about your spirit, soul, and body, who you are and what you believe and what, who your life source is and what you need to do to feed that. Think about your soul and what you do, what you bring to this world, and what are those activities and things that you need to make sure are going on in your life so that your soul is being tended to. And then finally, your body, rather than just going after that next pop-up in your newsfeed, that next app that promises 20 pounds off in three days or the ability to transform your face in three minutes, what it, what is your body telling you that it needs? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating what makes you feel good? Your body is the least important th- of these three things, but we do need it. We need it to get through this life. We need it to move through this life for as long as possible. So take some time. Find out what those three things mean for you. Feed your spirit nourish your body, and tend your soul. It's worth it. You're worth it. I promise. Thanks for listening to All There Is. You can hear all the episodes at kellybargabus.com slash podcast, or you can also listen in on Apple, iTunes, podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Check them out. Share it with your friends. And until we meet again, take care.